Good morning. Y'all doing good? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and it's an honor being with you guys. We're over halfway through our series entitled, There's an App for That. And uh, we've been looking at things that God uses to grow our faith. And uh, this entire uh, teaching study is based upon two or three different things. It's based upon a study uh, called the Reveal Study that Willow Creek did a couple years back. Um, In fact, I would encourage you, if you've not went on our website and clicked on the Spiritual Growth Survey, you can be a part of that Reveal Study so that we can figure out how we can do better. Uh, and do church better. So I'd really encourage you to do that. Uh, this is also uh, based upon a series uh, in a study that North Point did, as well as Big Stuff did, uh, entitled uh, f- uh, Five Things to Grow Your Faith. And then the last thing this is based upon is um, actually a study that we asked you guys to do. And we asked you, would you go and kind of tell us some times when your faith was really big and it was really strong, and what caused it to get really big and really strong? And some of you, uh, uh, you actually named names. I was really encouraged about this. In fact, Chris said this, seeing the faith of my wife has grown my faith. Melissa said this, a hug from a member of my ladies' study on a tough day. Stephen said, being encouraged by another guy in his community group. Beth said, having another godly woman to encourage me and let me know everything is going to be all right. You guys talked about people that God used in your life at a significant, significant moment, at a significant time, who said just the right thing, who came alongside you and pointed you back to him. So we've up to this, up to this point, we've looked at a couple of different things that God uses. Today, we're going to be looking that God uses relationships, relationships to make our faith really big and really strong. Now, uh, I I think we can all probably say, yeah, I can understand that. He uses relationships. Uh, But I want to get even a little bit more personal. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to participate in this with us today. And um, I'm going to ask you to find somebody. I'm going to give you about 45 seconds a minute. Find somebody that you did not come with. That you did not come with. And here, I want you to answer this question. And here's the question. It's simply this. Give the name of someone that you feel like God used in that relationship to make your faith stronger in God. All right? So let me say this. I want you to find somebody. Preferably don't, um, don't uh, use the word a, a family member. Okay? Again, I think because sometimes, if, unless you have to. Okay? But what is a, another person that God has used to make your faith really strong and really big. It could be somebody invited you to church. It could be somebody invited you to a Bible study. However, somebody invited you to campaigners. However that works out. So I'm going to ask you guys, everybody stand up. This will be fun for me, not so much for you. And let's make some new friends. I'm going to give you about a minute. Find somebody you didn't come with and answer that question. You got about 25 seconds.
About 15 seconds. Alrighty. Let's everybody grab a seat. Quick question. Did anybody make any new friends? Anybody? All right. Some of y'all are like, yeah, this is really kind of cool. Um, I think it's a little bit difficult meeting people on a Sunday morning, isn't it? I mean, because, you know, this whole thing, we sat in rows and we really never talked to one another. And if, if you guys talked while I was talking, you know, I would probably yell at you, right? Uh, you really can't really connect with people, but when you give an opportunity, you say, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk and I'm going to tell somebody else a name of a person that made my faith grow big, all right? And, I uh, mean, I'm just, uh, kudos for you guys playing along with that. I'm going to tell you three of mine. And I could have chosen a lot of folks. I could have chose three people here at one church, but I didn't want to embarrass anybody. So I'm going to go pretty far back in my past, and I'm going to give you the first one. This guy that's up on the screen, his name is Dan Basher. And Dan, uh, he lives in Loveland, Colorado, and he was director of a Christian tour group. And uh, when I was 15, I started touring with this tour group. I toured with them for four years. I played trumpet. And uh, it was on this tour group that I was discipled. I learned how to share my faith. I, learned, I actually started reading my Bible. And Dan believed in me. And uh, it was kind of cool. I was kind of a, a hell child here in Clarksville. Um, but when I was able to go to Loveland, nobody knew me. Uh, and, and Dan, uh, he, just, he just loved on me. And I built a relationship with Dan that still goes on to this day, uh, him and Ruth. And a uh, godly, godly man uh, who God used instrumentally in my life to kind of get my, my spiritual legs and actually start walking. Love Dan Basher. All right, let me give you another dude. This next dude, his name is Philip Herring. And Philip, uh, he, um, when I was in college here at Austin P, um, I grew up at a church downtown called First Baptist, and Philip was the youth pastor, and they hired him right when I graduated from high school. So he never was my youth pastor. Um, the, the, uh, I actually, through the entire four years of college, I taught youth Sunday school. And uh, so I actually worked with Philip. And Philip, a godly man, funny dude, uh, him and his wife Jan, um, they were at First Baptist for, I would say, about 10 years and uh, loved working with Philip. Again, he believed in me. He saw some stuff in me that I didn't see in myself. Um, uh, when I, I, you know, I told him I wanted to go into the ministry and at a, at a freshman in college, I told him, I want to teach adult Sunday school. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to lecture, you know, I'm going to do this, you know. And uh, he says, yeah, you're not going to teach adult. I mean, I was a college student, and I'm going to teach adult Sunday school, right? Not good. So he says, I got just the place for you. <laughs> and he put me in a sixth-grade boys' Sunday school class. And at first, I thought I was in hell. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, and I would, get, I would get together with those sixth-grade boys, and I would lecture them. I would get up in front of them, and I would, you know, this, this, and he would come alongside me and say, Chris, you know, I don't think that's working. Uh, let's try something different, and he induced me to some teaching techniques, and I mean, I really, I, I owe this dude my, my ministry. Uh, I love Philip. In fact, once he left First Baptist, he went to another church in uh, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area, and he called me. He says, I'd, I'd already graduated seminary. He says, hey, would you mind serving alongside of me? And I love uh, Philip and Jan Herring, another great couple. Let me t- and, and let me tell you, I, I like about Philip, he was a youth pastor for so long, but he didn't try being a youth. You know what I'm saying? You know, so many times youth pastors feel like they got to get belly button rings and 
piercings and whatever. And, uh, and he says, you know what? I know I'm 40-something. My goal is I'm just going to love on these kids, and I'm going to love on the adults that work with them. And I love this dude. I love Philip. Let me give you another dude. This other guy, his name is Bill Graham. And Bill Graham, uh, when I moved back to Clarksville uh, to start a church uh, here in uh, 2006, um, Bill was my boss at First Baptist. He's still there. He's the missions minister. And um, I was coming off of a really painful experience ministry-wise. And again, uh, he, he talked to me. He loved on me. Bill, this man could talk. In fact, every time I go in his office, nothing was quick. Um, and I uh, hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, he, um, he would actually talk about his time of, of, of starting a military church in Rhode Island. And, you know, hours would go by, and I would still be there. But, uh, but again, Bill just loved on me. And he loved on me in a really delicate time in my life that my faith in God was kind of waning, and I had been beat up by the church. And uh, Bill took me under his wing, and he just loved on me. Now, I say all of those folks just by saying, you know, when I look back on these three relationships, from my perspective, it's as if God had put these three guys in my life. That God had specifically reached down and said, you know what, I want you to build a relationship with Dan, even though he's in a different part of the country, and I want you to build a relationship with Philip, even though he's a little bit more old school. Uh, I want you to uh, build and, and, and build this relationship with Bill, uh, Bill Graham, even though he's going to talk for hours about Rhode Island. Um, I, you know, I, and it's like God said, I want you to be involved in those relationships. But here, here's the point I really want to land on. I played a part in in that. That I could have said no. No, Philip, you're a little too old school. No, Bill, I don't have that much time to listen to your stories. No. So I had a part. It wasn't like God forced these guys into, into my life. But looking back, because I chose by the grace of God to participate to and lean into these relationships, God grew my faith. And again, I could have picked 8, 10, 15 people specifically here at one church that God used relationships to get me closer to them. And here's the thing, and you and I both know this, based upon what you heard with a stranger this morning or anything, whenever you hear a faith story, whenever you hear somebody talk about, here is kind of how I feel and how God worked and moved in my life, there will always be connected to a name. Because God uses relationships. Very rarely have I ever heard this. You know what? It was, I was just in isolation. I was by myself, and I got really close to God. You know, I just, it was just nobody. It was just me and, and God and the Gideon Bible. Ah! And, you know, the light was shining down upon it. You know, there, I'm sure there's some of those, but almost in every instance, it's as if God puts somebody in our path, and said, you know what, you need to kind of come back to God. You need to get redirected to God. It's huge. It may have been you went to college, and there was a professor who was a Christian. And you know what, it's as, he had brains, or she had brains, but she also still believed in the Bible. And you didn't think those two could even coexist together, right? Or it may be that you had a relationship with a girl, and she invited you to Young Life. And uh, you, you just didn't care anything really about Young Life. You cared about the... Girl, right? But you went and you heard about God. Um, it could be that, um, that uh, your first sergeant um, or your drill instructor or your boss, and they kind of redirected and they told you about God. 
And it was because they were willing to invest in you and to build that relationship and you were willing to accept it that God took this little small faith that was in you and started getting it bigger. Here's our big idea today. God uses relationships to impact you and grow our faith. Can we say that out loud? God uses relationships to impact and to grow our faith. This is huge. Whenever, whenever you hear of a faith story, whenever you hear from a faith story, it's always going to be hear about a relationship. That's why we've made the whole case that one of these five apps that God uses to grow our faith is relationships. All right? Sometimes it's a conversation. I mean, I've heard people say, you know what, just because of one specific conversation, it changed the entire course of my life. Um, Huge. Now, for some of us, you'd say you came back to church, and, and you came back to God because somebody was willing to invite you. That's huge. It's all about relationships, that God uses human relationships to blow up or to influence or to impact our faith for the positive, right? All right? I don't think I have to sell you any more on this. Let me inverse that, though. Let me, let's take a negative of that principle because the negative of this is true as well. That just like all principles, it works both ways because if I ask the other question and ask you to turn to somebody, I'm not going to do it because it's a little bit more awkward. But if I were to ask this question, has there ever been anyone in your life that looking back undermined or eroded your faith in God? You could say, yep, yep, there was. There was that time where I answered that text and I shouldn't have. There was that time where uh, I, I, somebody Facebooked me, an old flame, and I shouldn't have responded. There was that time, that invitation that you got that you shouldn't have taken. There was that, a date that you said yes to that you should have said no to. Or a business trip, a, br- a business opportunity you just wished you would have never done. And your, some of your biggest regrets, generally, you would trace them back to a relationship. All right? Now, here's the thing. I need a volunteer. All right? I promise you I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to sing. Come on now. All right? What's your name? Daniel. Daniel. How you doing, Daniel? Everybody give it up for Daniel. Come over here, bro. Would you mind standing on this chair, Daniel? I'll hold it while you get on there. All right? All right? All right. Very good. And if you'll turn around and face them. All right? Here's something. Whoa, whoa. Watch it. Watch it. Dear Lord. All right? Get right here. You okay? All right, go. Okay. Now I'm a little scared. I've got to be honest with you. All right. Now, here's the thing, Daniel. Uh, can you pull me up there? No. All right. That's cool. Um, now you're going to try, huh? That's all right. All right. Let me have your hand. All right. Do you think I can pull you down? Yes. You sure about that? 100%. Yep. 100%. All right. Gravity of all right. And that's all I'm going to do because I don't want to flip you. I could pull you down, couldn't I? Yep. All right. Let me help you down. All right. Y'all give it up for Daniel. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you very much. Here's the thing about this. Um, He knew unequivocally he wasn't going to get me up there, did he? All right? But I could have janked him down. Now, there's a principle there, and it it goes even more than just gravity. It's easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up, right? Here's the problem. I learned this in middle school. My parents taught me this. All right? And you know what? As parents, we, we, we teach this to our kids. You know what? You got to be careful who you hang out with, right? Because, um, you, know, they're, you know, it's easier to pull somebody down than to lift somebody up. 
I knew this in middle school. Here's the problem that all of us face. When we get to adults, we think we're immune to this, right? We think, you know what, we don't have to take our own advice, right? In fact, some of you, you, you're telling your your teenagers this, and they're looking at you and going, Dad, have you seen some of the guys that you hang out with? Mom, have you seen some of the ladies you go clubbing with? I mean, it's like because we're adults, this doesn't apply to us. And you need to know this, that there's nothing farther from the truth. We're going to be looking at two verses of Scripture today, all found in the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be digging in to these two verses. I mean, and as you're, as you're getting there, Proverbs 13, 20 is where we're going to land first, written by the wisest person who ever lived, King Solomon. Here's the things, I, I, the tension I want you to kind of wrestle with that the wrong kinds of relationships have the potential to destroy your faith, but the right kinds of relationships have the potential to build your faith. That everybody you come in contact with in some way will either erode, pull you down, or build up, pull you up. That's huge. Because there's no relationship that's neutral. No relationship that's neutral. And again, you may have been raised in a religious tradition to think, you know what, how you build your faith is by just showing up, going to church and saying a rote, saying a liturgy, whatever, and then you go home and your faith is kind of personal and it's private, but you need to know that God is actively involved in your faith and he is going to use everyday relationships, everyday relationships outside of this building to be able to either grow your faith or your faith is going to be destroyed. I mean, it could be that some of you, your, your biggest regrets, again, hinged from a relationship. Uh, some of your, your, your addictions that you're struggling with now probably didn't happen in isolation. They probably happened when you were going out with drinking buddies, right? I mean, that's huge. That looking back, your biggest regrets or your biggest successes were really caused by the people you chose to hang out with. Now, Proverbs 13, 20. This is what it says. He who, what is that next word? Walks with the wise, grows what? Wise, but a companion of fools is a fool? Is that what it says? No. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You would think that this verse would be, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but he who hangs out with the fool becomes foolish. That's not what it says. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now hear me, you don't have to be a Christian to know that's true. You don't even have to believe the Bible to know that's true because we have all seen it in action. We've all seen it with our friends. We've all seen it with, uh, even with our own selves. That he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. There's three things I want to pull out of this verse. First one is this. You can become wiser just by surrounding yourself with what type of people? Wise people. Exactly right. Or in our context, you can become more like Christ if you surround yourself with people who are like Jesus. You can have more faith if you surround yourself with people who have a big faith. That. Whoever you hang out with, you will become like. That's huge. 
All right? Second principle is this. All of us have been fools from time to time, haven't we? All of us. Some of you, if I could say, hey, tell me about that, we would be here all day. And if you heard my stories, we would be here all day. A good friend of mine. Uh, this guy's one of my best friends in the world here at one church. I'm not going to embarrass him by saying his name. Uh, but in a couple of small groups ago, he said, as we were kind of talking and telling our stories, that the, one of the biggest, dumbest decisions he ever made was he bought a used Porsche. And um, he purchased this Porsche, and uh, he knew he shouldn't do it. He knew it was going to be too much money. He knew there was going to be a lot of repair, and repairs on a Porsche is not cheap. Um, And he almost lost his driver's license because of speeding tickets, right? He almost lost his shirt financially trying to do the upkeep. And he knew it was the wrong decision, but he did it anyway. All of us have been fools, haven't we? What a fool is is when you know the right thing to do, But you go, eh, whatever, right? Anybody got any teenagers that ever say, whatever, right? You know what? You call them a fool, just saying. Now, here's the thing. We have a tendency to do that to a teenager, but how many times do we as an adult, when somebody says, hey, I don't think that's the best way to parent your kid. Well, whose business is that is yours, right? We don't say whatever. We go on the attack, all right? Um, And and, and it's just something that when people kind of step in, we go, I don't care. That's what a fool does. All of us have been fools. We knew we shouldn't take a second look, but we did. We knew we shouldn't have Facebooked our old flame, but we did. All right? We knew that we shouldn't make that purchase and to make that, we couldn't afford it, but we did. We, didn't, we knew we shouldn't have moved in with that person, but we did. We knew we shouldn't have went so far in the, in the relationship physically, but we did. We knew we shouldn't really marry that person but we thought we could change him. <laughs> we could change her. Psych, right? But it, they were poor decisions. Everybody, y'all, Aaron Neville, everybody plays the fool. Remember that? Sometimes. That's us, right? That's you and me. All of us have been fools. Third principle from this verse. If, if you are being foolish and you have surrounded yourself with foolish people, they're not going to tell you that you're being foolish. You hear what I'm saying? If you're acting like an idiot and you are surrounding yourself with idiots, they're not going to tell you when you're making a poor choice. They're just not. The, the greatest regrets, if you think about it, your greatest regrets came not because you were doing life with an enemy, not because somebody hated you and that person that hated you destroyed your life. No, no, no. Your, some of your greatest regrets and my greatest regrets happen because we surrounded ourselves we people, with people we thought were our friends, but they really weren't our friends because they didn't tell us. They didn't tell us that we were being idiots. Man, that's huge. Friends, I mean, friends who either looking back really weren't friends or friends that chose not to tell you the truth, and both of them are not good friends. Your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Again, we say that to our students. It's one of the principles we teach at Remix. But we fail to apply it as adults. That the people you hang out with on Friday nights, that you hang out with on, on, on Mondays, when you're telling all the raunchy jokes with, you're like, oh, those, that's, just, that's just Chris. That's just Jim. That's just Bubba. All right? If you've got a Bubba in your life, you may want to rethink that. I'm just saying. Right, whatever it is, all right, that you say, you know what, he, he's not influencing me. Yes, he is. Yes, she is. 
that there are no neutral friends. That's huge. Everybody is going to draw us closer to God or pull us farther away from him. Now, that's huge. That's huge. Now, here's what I want to say. Proverbs 13, 20. Throw that up there one more time. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Leave that up if you would. And let me ask the question, who are you doing life with right now? Who are you walking with right now? Who in your life are you surrounding yourself that's going to hold you accountable? Who in, who in your life is going to keep you from making a really bad decision and driving your car off a cliff? How many of y'all remember the movie Thelma and Louise? Thelma and Louise, anybody? Right. How many of y'all never heard that movie? Hook y'all guys up with Redbox later, all right? Let me tell you a little bit about this because I want to show you a clip from Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise is this, uh, these two girls that have a friendship. And one of them, um, uh, it's just because of the circumstances and some bad choices, their life is like starting, literally becoming completely destroyed. And um, this uh, guy tries to take advantage of one of the girls, and, uh, and uh, the girl trying to defend herself actually ends up killing the guy. And now you have the law running after and chasing these two women. All right? And again, if they would just stop running and they would talk to the authorities, everything would probably be smoothed out. But they're not, they don't. And at the end of the movie, they've been running and running and running and running and running so far, so fast and so long, they are out west and they've come to the Grand Canyon. The, the, the police is behind them, and there's nowhere else to run. They're going to have to turn themselves in. And in that moment, there's a decision they have to make. Are we going to stop running? Or, and this is where we pick up in the movie. Watch this. What do you mean? 
you sure? Yeah. watching that movie years ago and you know all the women are like leaving the theater with like tears in their eyes and going isn't that sweet you know true true friends will go over a cliff with you and I'm going <laughs> no <laughs> true friends will keep you from making a really awful decision by driving over a cliff that's what a true friend will do you know, some of us, we just kind of were happier in our own dysfunctional relationships. And again, every relationship will either pull us up or bring us down. But no relationships are neutral. True friends keep you from driving over a cliff. In fact, this is our last verse. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. It says this, wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now, what does that mean? It means simply this, that if somebody is really your friend, sometimes they're going to say some things to you that's, that makes it feel like they're wounding you. All right? That's what true friends do. But as somebody who's not your friend, all they do is, right? That's all they do. And you kind of want to remove them from your hindquarters and say, okay, move on. Right? But true friends will wound you. True friends will pull you aside and say, listen, you know, I've noticed, you know, how, um, how you treat your son or your daughter just isn't good. True friends will say, you know, I, I, do you think you're drinking too much? True friends will say, you know what, do you think that she's a good fit for you? Um, true friend will say, listen, um, how you guys talk to one another in public uh, as husband and wife, it doesn't seem right. I remember uh, somebody confronted me of that a few years back. Kim and I, you know, we loved joking around, and sometimes we would joke, and people would think that we were fighting, and we weren't fighting. But it, but it was awkward to say, hey, I don't think you're treating your wife right. What do you want to do when people say that? You want to go, bam, right? Right? But you don't because they're illustrating that person's a true friend. Let me tell you what's not a true friend. When they don't tell you the difficult things and then you leave the room, can you believe what she said? And they just start praying for you, otherwise called gossiping, right? Those aren't good friends. Um, In fact, if you get around people and they're talking to you about somebody else, just give it time and they're eventually going to be talking about you. They probably already are, all right? See, true friends will come into your space and into your face and say, "You, I love you. You're being dumb. I love you. Right? I mean, they will confront you on it. That is huge. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Are you a true friend? Who have you surrounded yourself with that will hold you accountable? Your spiritual progress really does hinge on your willingness to get involved in some spiritual relationships with people who will wound you if need be. 
It's not just about showing up at church. It's not just about reading your Bible. Yeah, there's some of that. Yes, you should do that. But this element of this app of your faith, if you want your faith to go really big, then you have to intentionally leverage relationships and say, okay, you know what, that person, I need to be in a relationship with that person because they have a big faith. And let me tell you, these are always awkward moments. Always awkward moments. In fact, one of the reasons, the question I want to land on as I end today is, is that if that really is the case, then what is our part as a church to play in this? If we really do believe that relationships grow big faith, then what's our part as a church? In fact, one of our core values is we believe that circles are better than rows. Some of you, you illustrated this today because you actually talked with people and you got to meet somebody. And, hey, my name's Chris. Hey, my name's Bill. And you talked. Y'all never do that on Sunday mornings many times. But you had an opportunity to do that. Well, here's what's so cool. We've decided at one church, you know what? As much as we believe circles are better than rows, what we do in this environment is rows. Okay, we cool that. We're cool with that. But we believe that the potential for your life to really change and change for the good and for the better is really probably not going to happen in here. We understand that. Um, We believe it's going to happen in a circle where you're getting to meet some people, and they're seeing your blind spots, and you're seeing theirs, and you're loving on them, and you hang out with, with them, and you do life with them, but it goes to a spiritual connection. I know some people that all they get together, and they just kind of hang out in rows, but they never talk about nothing spiritual. That's not a small group. That's not a group of people that's encouraging you. That's just, just friends. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intentionally putting yourself in an environment where people are asking you, hey, what have you been reading? How are you treating your spouse? How is this going? Financially, how are you doing? Circles are better than rows. And how we do that, our part to play in one church is simply this. We create an environment where this can happen, and we call them community groups. I've been in a community group since before one church started. And let me tell you what a community group is. A community group is simply this. It's about 12 to 16, couple, 12 to 16 people, excuse me, so about six to eight couples that get together, and they do three things. They have fun. They read the Bible, they study the Bible, and they pray. That's what they do. In, in our community group system, what happens is you, you do life with these folks, with the same people, for about 12 to 18 months. So you don't have new people coming in or people going out. It's the same people. Now, why is that so important? Because if there's always new people coming in, if you're really having a fight with your spouse, you're not going to tell and, 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 and open up when there's somebody new there. You're not. We want to create a predictable environment, predictable that it's the same people, and they show up, and they meet week after week, and they they laugh, they have a good time, they have fun, they read the Bible, they pray. That is our goal. Because we believe that life change really doesn't happen long term just by coming and listening to a speaker. We believe life change takes place best in the context of a small group. Now, here's the kicker. I'm going to tell how we're going to end today. But before I do that, let me just... This was written by King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who, by the way, didn't take his own advice. He said, you got to be careful who you surround yourself with. 
And he didn't take his own advice. He knew the right thing to do, but he didn't do it. What do we call people like that? Hypocrites or fools, exactly right. And we see, literally, he drives his life over a cliff and ruins his ministry and ruins his family. In fact, right when King Solomon, after, as soon as he dies, the kingdom that he's over splits in two because of his disobedience. He chose not to take his own advice. So here's my question. Are you going to choose to take the advice that's given to you? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you say, I don't have enough time. I can, I can understand that. And let me tell you, there is a time commitment. I meet, personally, I meet every Sunday night with my community group. Is there some Sunday nights I don't want to meet? You betcha. Last Sunday was one of them. I'm going to be honest with you. We, we got done here late, tearing everything down. It was rainy, it was cold, and I was ready to get in bed and pull the covers up to about right there. I didn't want to go. And my wife says, you've got to go. You're leading the group. And I did. And I was really, I was blessed that I went. I even told the group that. I didn't want to come, but I'm glad I did. It is a time commitment. And I know some of you are busy. And I understand that. But the question you have to ask yourself is not so much are you busy, but do you want your faith to grow bigger? And if you do, you're going to have to intentionally. This, this doesn't drift towards community. The drift always goes to isolation. You have to intentionally say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to carve out two hours a week. You know, if you were at the, a regular church here in the South, you would be going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night visitation, right? We don't do that. And the reason why we don't do that is we want to remove every excuse so that you will come to serve one, go to one on Sunday morning, and go to group. That's it. All right? Um, it, it, I mean, that's the reason why we don't fill, try to fill up your time with all of this other stuff. But here's the thing about community. Some of you think your, your life is going really good right now, and you think, I don't need this. I don't need more friends. I'm doing really good. Thank you. And you know what? You're probably right. You're probably doing good. But just as we saw last week, if you were, and you heard the teaching last week, you know, the, the storms come, and it comes to both houses, the one that's built its house on the rock and the one that's built its house on the sand. The time when the start, storms start churning in your life, when you really need community, that's not the time where you can build it. You just can't. You cannot, you can't have that people around you who gives you that sense of belonging and care if you don't already have it once you've got it entered into the storm. So, as we close, let me tell you a little bit about what we're gonna, what's getting ready to happen. I'm going to stop talking here in a sec, and uh, we're going to take offering, and you guys are going to leave. And you can go to the left and go out to your car and beat the Methodist to Cracker Barrel. Or, you can go to the right. And to, and to the right, there are some tables set up outside. And let me tell you how they're set up. They're set up by nights of the week. If you can do a Sunday night group, there's going to be a Sunday night group there. If you can do a Tuesday night group, there's a Tuesday night group there. There are different groups. I think we have also um, a Dave Ramsey group for those who are like, I think I want to do this with, when it centers around money. or this, There's a starting point. All that stuff you can do, and you can get involved in a group. The question is, what are you going to do? Some of you, you're already in a group. And, you know, this whole idea of influence, people can't influence you when they're not around you. 
So here's what I'm going to do. I've never done this, and I've struggled whether or not to do this. I may not even do it second service. But if you've been in a community group with me, would you mind standing up? All right? Cool? In fact, just come on down here. Get on stage with me. Can you do that? Just hang out with me for a little bit. I promise you I won't embarrass you too badly. If you've been in a community group with me, come up on the stage. And by the way, if you've been in a community group with any of the other people that's coming up on this stage, would you kind of come up as well? So if you've been in a community group with Bill and Amanda, come on up. If you've been in a community group with Ron Pierce, come on up. All right? If you've been with a community group with anybody else on this stage, all right, come on up. And let me tell you, you're going to see this a lot uh, in our 11 o'clock service. But here's the cool thing about this. I don't have relationships with all these people. I don't. And you know what? I can't have relationships with everyone. And sometimes pastors say, because I can't know everybody, I'm not going to know anybody. And that's jacked up. But here's one of the things, and this is why all of our staff is in a community group, is because I can do and be in a community group with Luther. All right? Luther and I, we were in a community group, how long ago was it? Three years ago, all right? And, uh, and you left that group, and you started uh, uh, two or three community groups after that. And he has influenced people that I have never, ever met. Ever met. But you know what? Because we have a relationship, we have a relationship, all right? Bill and Amanda, we've been in community group for two or three times, right? Something like that. Um, and, we've, and again, I've got to know Bill and Amanda. Our children get to p- play together. And they left our community group uh, maybe two or three years ago and got into another community group where they continue to build more relationships. All right? I have no idea who you are. What's your name? Ivan? I'm oh, sorry, really bad. All right? Now, who, who have you been in community group with up here? That gentleman down there. Very good. All right? That's cool. All right? And again, I don't even, I don't even know Ivan. But because Ivan has been in a relationship with Bob and Laurie, is that who they're pointing to? Right. Or Brian? Adam, all right, cool, all right, cool. All right, that's all right, you good, that's all right, nothing. Because he's been in a, in, in, a, in a group with Bob and Laurie, again, there's relationships forming. Here's Ron Pierce, all right? Um, how you doing, Mr. Porsche? Anyway, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is Brad and Tracy. We've been in two communion groups together. Again, uh, just saying, I'll hug it out. Come on now. All right, all right, just saying, all right, whatever. All right. Um, this is Adam and Sonia Young. By the way, they, they just gave birth to a beautiful little girl who looks just like Sonia, praise God. So just saying. All right. Uh, let me brag on this dude just for a little bit, Okay. Adam and Sonia, we were in one group together, our last group, and I love this couple, all right? Yeah, he is a, a, a medic on, uh, you do, uh, it's a flight medic, all right, cool. Um, here's the cool, he's in and out, his, you know, just like many of you Army guys or ladies, your schedules are crazy. We're at a Married Life Live event that was two nights ago, where we had a lot of people show up at our church that we just didn't know. They met a couple there. Um, and built a relationship with a couple. In fact, didn't know this couple before, and he gave his cell phone number to this couple who was kind of looking for a church and says, if you have any questions, call me. Now, i got to be honest with you. I'm, I've known staff people in previous churches who would not give away their cell phone number. But he says, you know what? I don't care. You may be a kook, they may, whatever. Here's what's so cool about this. The couple that he gave his phone number to, I didn't know this, she was nine months pregnant at Mary Life Live on Friday night. She goes into labor, gives birth on Friday night, and this guy calls Adam. Why? Because Adam said, you know what, let me give you my number. 
That's cool. So, again, I love you, dude. Bob and Laurie, we've been in community group for two or three groups as well. Um, Bob left that group and started a group. He's actually in a group right now that meets on Tuesday nights. Again, fantastic couple. Uh, Brian Sorowski, uh, he has been in group with who? Adam and Sonia. Very good, all right? And that was a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in group now. Okay, very good. So, my point of all of this I know sometimes showing up on Sunday morning, you know, we can get lost and you don't build relationships. But I'm telling you, every one of these people, even folks I don't even know that well, have relationships with people who do, and that's how family is formed. And I guess the thing I really want to encourage you is, if you're just showing up on Sundays, you're missing out. You really are. You know, I think I'm a really good communicator sometimes. (laughs) But you know what, I... At the end of the day, it's really not about this. Because I ain't that good. Jesus is good, and in all of these relationships, this is where people who, who love on you, who care about you. My boy Lou down there, he's one of the dudes who about a year ago, he came up to me and said, Chris, you know what, I think you're running your life over a cliff. And he did that because he loves me. Did I want to punch him in the throat? Sure. All right, I didn't because he knows I'm a lover, not a fighter. Right? Anyway, but every I mean, many of these people have gotten to know me and not just Pastor Chris, but just Chris. And I'm so glad I am a better man because of it. And I'm telling if you want your faith to grow, there's gonna have to be some awkwardness, and you're gonna have to get out of rows and get into circles. It's just that simple. Is it awkward? Yes, yes, it is. But is it worth it? Has it been worth it? All right, let's give it up for these guys. Thank y'all. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get off stage. Group link happens immediately after this. So um, you're more than welcome to show up. You're more than welcome to get into a group. I'm going to be out there, and if you want me to kind of help you direct, I will do that as well. Patrick, our small groups pastor, is also going to be out there. I think there's going to be food. Um, uh, so if, how many of y'all want to eat right now? You can't eat one thing until you get into a group. I'm just playing with you. All right, let's pray and we'll be done. God, I just thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much, God, for the relationship of you, Jesus. Lord, that you love us, and Lord, that we can have an intimate relationship with you. God, I'm so thankful that I'm in a relationship with you, God. But God, I also know this, I've never really met you. I don't know what you look like. I've never ever... felt you. I've never ever felt your arms around me. And Lord, because of that, I need to be in relationships with other people who are just like you. So that when I'm having a bad day, I got Bob giving me a hug. And when I'm going off course, I got Luther who's putting his arm around me. Lord, that we all need people in our lives to encourage us, to equip us, to love on us, in spite of ourselves. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that many folks today would get out of the rows and choose to get into a circle because life change is going to happen there. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.